Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Jolene Blom and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Mediated Intimacies. Before I start the actual episode, let me briefly explain what the podcast is all about. So in this podcast, I will talk with invited experts about the different shapes and forms in which we engage with affection through media platforms and technology, such as social media like Instagram or Facebook or Tinder, novels, television series or video games to voice assistants like Alexa or the Google Assistant and many, many more. The podcast is part of my ongoing research project on mediated intimacy with game characters at the Center of Excellence in Game Culture Studies at Tampere University. Here I research why and how we create parasocial relationships with characters in video games and how video games then stimulate these kinds of relationships in return. The name of this podcast was inspired by the book Mediated Intimacies, Connectivities, Relationalities and Proximities edited by Rika Andreasen, Michael Nebeling-Peterson, Catherine Harrison and Tobias Raum. This book explores, as they say, how social media constructs new types of intimacy. My podcast is meant to have a bit of a casual approach to the topic and I discuss here why, how and what we do when we use all kinds of media and technology to create intimacy with ourselves and others, whether these others are fictional or not. The guests all have done relevant work on the topic of mediated intimacies and will share their knowledge on a subject of their choice that we talk about throughout each episode. In any case, I'm very excited to start this podcast and I hope you'll enjoy it too. first episode of the podcast Mediated Intimacies and I'm the host Jolene Blom. Uh, I'm happy to introduce to you the first ever guest on this uh, on this podcast, Susanna Tosca. Uh, hello. Hello. Um, Susanna is an associate professor of digital media at Roskilde University in Denmark and she published among others on computer games, transmedia worlds and more recently on Japanese popular culture products. So welcome again. Um, this was a very general introduction uh, of you, but could you introduce yourself a little bit more? Yes, and thank you for a nice welcome. Um, I'm also not very podcast uh, <laughs> professional, so we can we can we can see how it goes. But um, I'm really happy to be here, and uh, because I mean we've we've known each other for a little while now. We were colleagues for a short time, but um, have have known each other here in Denmark, and. Um, and yeah, um, there is a group of people working on the sort of intersection of games and transmedia culture and storytelling and different kinds of, of, of things that have to do with digital stories and people and fandom. And um, yeah, and you're one of them. And I'm really, yeah, I'm really happy to, to have this, this conversation with you. Let's see where it takes us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm also very curious where, where today or to this evening actually it's going to take us. Um, let's just start with the uh, with the topic of uh, of, the, of the day. Uh, we're going to talk about automa games um, since they are closely connected to this idea of mediated uh, intimacies. Please tell us uh, your perspective of, of automa games. 
Okay, so um, just, I mean, we, we can assume that maybe not everybody knows what an Otome game is, so yeah. we can say that Otome games, um, Otome in, in Japanese, it means maiden or something like that, right? So uh, like a young woman. Yeah, and uh, but but the games are played by um, they are they are sort of uh, targeted to women, although some men can also play them. But they they will be played by not just young women, but um, I actually after I have talked to a lot of players, and I think the youngest people I've talked to are about like 14, 15 years old, so teenagers. But there's people playing them also up to the fifties, and maybe even older. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't found all the ones, but you know. So it is it is a very wide age span, and. Um, and uh, basically you could say it's a bit like like romance literature it's a bit like um having some sort of love story and then and a setting is a simulation of a of a love story and then and you know this is a very wide definition it could be anything it could be um a contemporary setting of a high school it could be a hospital it could be a police detective story it could be a historical novel and there are a lot of those as well uh, science fiction even horror so so this is this is like a it, it's become a big genre and 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 typically people usually point at uh, at the at the 90s for the beginning of these games there is a very famous game called angelique done by by a japanese company that is I think it's from 94. And this is like credited as the first Otome. And it is a sort of simulation of, of these stories. And the good the good thing about it for us women is that unlike all these other dating games for men, where you obviously have one man protagonist and a lot of females. So here you have a women, woman protagonist, and then she can choose among a group of bachelors, as they, as they are called. <laughs> like, uh, uh, and then, so, so the games are, are very textual. There's not so much game as, as such. If you want to, you know, if you identify game with clicking a lot of buttons and having a lot of actions, uh, it's more about reading text and then at some points making choices, like those old choose your own adventure books. And your choices will determine how the story um, develops. So um, you might get closer to another character and, and, and farther away from another, or, you know, make that the plot actually changes. I don't know if this is a good summary. Do you think, do, are we missing something? <laughs> No, I think I think that pretty much sums it up. Um, I mean, yeah, it has a very wide audience as well. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, I uh, to my shame, I mean, I, despite having been a game scholar, if you can call me that, for nearly twenty years, but I I hadn't really, I didn't really know this genre, and it was just a few years ago, I think more five six years ago, I. I, I was studying Japanese and some girls in my class, much younger than me, <laughs> were, had, were, were playing on the mobile phones and they and they were like telling me, oh, there's these great games, you know, you could use them to practice Japanese. And um, and I was and I was looking at the games and I was sort of very prejudiced about the look of the games because it looked like really silly and all these fluffy princesses with a lot of frill and, and, and pink <laughs> outfits. And I was like, what are you playing? I mean, that is for for little girls and they were like no no it's romance it's really cool so i i got into it by a sort of back door and by uh, introduced by 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 this colleague uh, this uh, yeah you could say classmates um and i was as i say i was very prejudiced i've never read any romance novels i i've always thought it was horrible bad literature and so um it was hard to get into this at the beginning. I thought, well, I'm just going to do a sociological experiment. <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> That's how it starts. But then you start playing and you realize it's actually quite, it's it's a huge amount of fun. 
Um, and and so I, I I told myself the excuses to practice Japanese, and then it ended up being like a big rabbit hole where I played a lot of games. And at some point, I must have decided down the lane, okay, I need to do something research-wise with this to justify all the time I've used on it. So I think that's that's how I got into it, basically. <laughs> Yeah. That's, I mean, it also uh, kind of tells me uh, of our answers to the second question that I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get into it or how did you yeah. do your research on it? And it's, yeah. I, I also have more serious reasons. I mean, this is this is like the like the side effects of, of, of getting <laughs> into it. I've always had this idea that, um, like, like you could say, I've, I've looked at a lot of different kinds of digital media products, but there's the common denominator is that I always like looking at things that other people think are stupid. Like, you know, like I have this idea, I don't know, maybe it's like a hero complex, like I want to redeem <laughs> some <laughs> popular cultural forms, or I want to, uh, I guess it is because when you actually talk to the people playing these games or to the fans of, of different things, you realize, but people are not stupid. And, and then I get provoked by, by you know, cultural critics that look down on, on popular culture, and then I want to look into it. So I guess this was also a motivation. Like there is this classic book by, um, I don't know if you know it, by Janice Radway about romance. Yeah. What is what is what is it called? I know I forget the name. Oh, reading the romance, isn't yeah. it? Yes. And, and this is also from the early nineties. And this I, I read this uh, when I was doing my doctorate, and it sort of really, it was really I think revolutionary. Like what she did was basically interview a bunch of women, like um, fifty, most of them housewives, about their habits in reading um, these romance novels that everybody else despised as trash. And then, um, well, the, the book has its shortcomings. I think it's still sort of patronizing of, of these women, but but it makes a huge effort to 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 talk to them in their own terms and see, okay, what what are you getting out of reading these books? And I think this big it was a big inspiration to start sort of trying to attempt the same with, with these games. So I came in with a lot of prejudice. <laughs> then I started having a lot of fun. And then as I started meeting the people who play the games, and also later the people who make the games, um, I, I sort of have, you know, it put all my prejudice to shame. So I, <laughs> so I have to confess. And now, and now I think I think it's it's great fun, even though I, I acknowledge it can be also very silly. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have... Like whenever I play an atomic game, there are definitely um, what I would call good good ones and bad ones. Yeah, um, and especially if it's a little bit too simple, then I think yeah, it's cute and all, but I'm not buying it, <laughs> or at yeah. least not the story. And if the story, usually when the story is pretty good, then I enjoy it more than when the story is 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 either very shallow or when it's um, when it doesn't have any story at all. Yeah, and 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 yeah, that's that's a good point, right? There is a huge range of them, and and also like even in different formats. So you can, um, if you're curious, now I'm thinking whom our listeners, if they're curious, they can go down to any like the App Store or or the Android. You know, you can for free. You can download actually quite a few, um, and uh, but some of them will be very bad, right? Maybe that's why they're free. So they they have this business model with the small transactions where you have to buy extra chapters. So the game is free, but then it will let you read like very little text every day and you have to sort of wait for the next day or you yeah. can buy. And some of these are really, really, really bad. Um, so I guess <laughs> I've had the best experiences with those where you 
as with other traditional games, you buy the whole game um, for a console, for example, like there's a lot of them that like the PlayStation Vita has had a huge uh, importance, uh, influence for this genre. So you buy just yeah. the whole game, right? And then you can play the whole game um, as long as you want and as many yeah. times as you want. These are usually better quality. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the set, yeah. the set uh, part though is that when it comes to the PlayStation Vita is that it's it's kind of dead. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. That's why I went on a spree and bought a lot of games like a couple of months ago. And now I'm playing sort of older classics because I think it's going to yeah. be dead. It's going to be dead soon. Yeah, I think what I think is going to happen um, is um, I started to suspect that that um, the Switch would take over a lot of Otome games. Um, mm. and, and that is true. I confirmed it the other day when I opened the Japanese App Store and I was like, or the, the Nintendo eStore, and I was like, oh no, there's way more there than I expected. Um, but I, I constantly forget the mobile phone. I always, I always, um, I tend to ignore mobile games usually, but then I, I forgot that there is probably a huge Otome, uh, yes, genre, as you said, right there. But I wonder if, I mean, the, the, the Nintendo Switch usually uh, uses Japanese otome games where where it originates from, of course. But then, I don't think it that's the case on on mobile phones, right? Mm, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I don't know what will happen actually because because yeah, the mobile phones. But I think it's also very different. Like, for example, a lot of Japanese players play on mobile phones. They've got much more choice than we do. Um, but a lot of the European players or American players play on the Switch, uh, sorry, on the Vita. And now I was talking to people more recently that they were telling me that the Switch is sort of too big. It's too big to play in this intimate way where you're just sitting with the, with the console in your two hands and like, you know, tucked in your bed, maybe in your little comfort place. It is a bit too big for that, while the Vita is sort of more round and smaller. <laughs> So yes. I guess like, like like the Vita and the telephone have this ideal size for this intimate kind of playing. So I, so what I mean is like the device is also important. And I yeah. hadn't thought of that until people, you know, I have my switch connected to the television. I wouldn't want to play an automate on the television. It's like, it's no. like, it's like, it's like watching porn in the middle of, of, <laughs> of, of teaching yes. or something like that. Right. You couldn't, you can't do that. You cannot have other people see you doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so maybe, one, maybe yeah, we I, shouldn't say that it's all that, that there's always porn in Otome games, but it's well, just, not always. Some, some, sometimes, sometimes, right? But yeah, you've got ratings as well, and you've got oh, yeah. um, different kinds of raciness, and 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 the fans will comment on this, and yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely know what you mean because I I wouldn't even even if I'm on my own in 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 my place, I wouldn't want to play it on the television because it's too intimate this is like very close to my heart i either play it like you know on my on my console i i, I do like to use the switch as a as an yeah. handheld console but oh, i right. also agree that it's quite big to hold um so yeah no automatic i don't know i don't know i was like i want to play this new one this pio fiore one that is just came out on the switch maybe it's actually one year it's been there for one year and so it's not coming on the Vita. So I guess we're just all going to be pushed to the switch and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
maybe yeah. it becomes like a thing that you start sharing with your boyfriend <laughs> and so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I definitely knew of couples who did that, but yeah, they were but the, they were the the exception rather than the, mm. uh, the rather than the rule. Yeah, I think so too. I think most women I've talked to like to have this for themselves. I mean, not because they are ashamed of it or anything. Like, like usually when I ask, like the boyfriends know they're buying the games and sometimes they even buy the games for them. So, you know, as presents, but it's like, it's something they don't really, they don't really get it or they think it's silly or anything else. It's just like your thing, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so just as he might play, I don't know what, what do boys play nowadays? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's the, there's the eternal Counter Strike or something like that, or one of those AAA long action games or something like that. And she will play her Switch. And this is now we're having like a very gendered. I have no idea what what couples play, but I I think just just talking about my interviewees, they they it is something. It's me time for them. It's not yeah. it's not a couple thing. Yeah, yeah. That is also in my own experience that case um like one of the things that i noticed uh, in your book a lot and also the, because i like i like the way you phrased it uh, in your book um and and, and, and lisbeth Glasgow's books by book by the way transmitter worlds in everyday life um so you used the is the sentence or words glutinous desire and i really like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> could could you tell a little, a little bit more about it um well, I I think well, glutinous is about eating, right? So it seems like it seems like <laughs> extraordinarily um, somehow fleshy in a way, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but but it is maybe also a bit of a contradiction because on the one side you have this two dimensional, as or as they call now two and a half, <laughs> two dimensional characters uh, that people are sort of getting attached to. Oh, because I forgot to say actually something important. I forgot to say at the beginning. Um, I've been talking about automated games being mostly textual, but actually they're also very visual, right? Yes, um, so they're extremely visual. They don't have like a lot of video. Sometimes there is a little bit of video animation, but you have these images, like these spectacular illustrations. Um, sometimes it's just the backgrounds and they're usually like fixed backgrounds. They will be there for a long time and the text will change. But then uh, when you get to important plot points in the story, you are, as the reader, you are, you are sort of rewarded with a special image where uh, this special part of the story will be depicted in, in like much more detail. Like, I don't know, it could be the first kiss or the first time you see this guy or the time where you get saved or something like that. Um, yeah. and, and these images, they are called CGs, like computer generator images or whatever, and, and they have to be collected. So you need to, when you're reading the story, you need to find um, all the answers that will get you all the images. And in the end, you can so go and check and see, oh, I'm missing two. So you have to backtrack and try to find them. So this is just to say that these images are really done in a very lush way. Um, probably you could analyze them with the sort of um, following sort of shoujo um, conventions of how, how to depict beautiful men and, and, uh, and dreamy scenery and things like that. But, and they are, and, and this, and this visual richness is very, is very appreciated by the fans. And there will be a lot of commentary about how beautiful the men are and <laughs> how uh, horny they're getting by looking at these images. So there is this, this sort of sensual element that is very much uh, 
with the images and and because you need to sort of devour I, I mean we talked about this a lot like devouring the game because you need to get them all and you need to eat it all and you need to consume it all and it's not catch them all <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not just enough to to you know choose your one bachelor and go through his story and then collect his images then you you get to the end and then you say oh i'm I'm also going to get the, this other one is also nice. And then this other one, and then you end up uh, running the game six times and getting all the guys. So there is this, this desire for more uh, where people sort of keep on going back to the games and getting more images. And so we thought it was like, yeah, that when you start eating something you really like and you can't stop. <laughs> yeah, that describes it well. But also these stories are not short. Like one storyline can take easily take up, let's, let's say 20 to 30 hours. So if you keep backtracking them or how you say that, like, we start a new storyline again and again, which usually you have, what, six boys? It's it's usually a couple of six, six boys. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even more, right? Some of the games have like 10. But yeah, it can be many hours. It could You could be doing this for 100 hours. And... And there's and then of course there's all these guides on the internet you can you can find if oh, yeah. you don't if you don't want to backtrack yourself because there's a lot of second guessing as to which yeah. which of the options will take you where and and it's very difficult to say because you don't know I mean you you were saying I don't know the male character is saying oh the weather is nice tonight and then you can answer either yes the moon is shining or oh I'm cold let's go inside but you have no clue where this is going to take you yeah. <laughs> so you um, so so sometimes. Sometimes people will maybe run one of the stories and then they will just use the internet to get guides to all the other stories and all the other images. Yeah. Um, I particularly like the guides where they say, this is a non-spoiler guide. I'm like, wow. <laughs> a non-spoiler guide. A non-spoiler guide. <laughs> but then they tell you exactly what to do. But it's like, but they don't tell you what the what the image is. So because the image is like the price. So you yeah. will get there and then it was the real surprise. And yeah. yeah. And the other sensual element, I think, actually, I mean, so of course you can create this sort of sensuality by the textual descriptions, by the images, but then there's also the, the voice actors. I, I mean, this oh, is yeah. this is like really important for the games, right? So you usually, even in the games that are translated into English, you get the text. Uh, most of the text is just text, but then dialogue lines, depending on, on the budget of the game so in some of the games all the dialogue lines will be voiced by professional actors like like you have in anime um and uh, in some of the other games you will only get some some dialogue lines but these professional actors they are and they are the same guys that are doing like the you know like the top anime so yeah. people will know them and go after them and sometimes you will buy a game because you know your favorite voice actor is doing the lead character or one of the male characters and you will just do it um, and in Japan, this is huge, right? So you go yeah. and buy, you buy these CDs with the, with the guys reading up. Um, there's even an app I installed it, but now it's not working anymore where you could have like guys from the Otome games saying good night to you and like saying nice things in your ear before you went to sleep. And every day it would be a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> this was, this was like a, like a point of contention for, for me and my husband. So I stopped doing it, but <laughs> But it's like, uh, yeah, so so you can, you can, like the voices are really important. I mean, these guys, they are really, really good. And, um, and they're recording this with this surround sound where you get the voice in your ear and, and women report that this is like a huge motivation factor. So the senses are very much in play. Um, yeah. 
and and they are sort of um, yeah they are yeah they are getting glutinous i think i think and i think this is yeah. a very good depiction also the way they talk in the fan fora the way they talk about guys like you know in in film studies in media studies we we talk a lot about the the female gaze the male gaze the uh, Laura Mulvey concept about yeah. films being made by men that look at women. So this is the complete opposite. Like this is women looking at men and then talking about it as if they were cakes to be eaten. <laughs> so this is very liberating. Yes. <laughs> but I guess also that, that that's the, the real pleasure of it, right? Like just this female gaze that is onto these guys. And of course it, it can be very sexy, uh, I mean, uh, I have yet to 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 see an Otome game where I didn't think that the, at least the majority of the guys were pretty or or in a way uh, sexy. And because you can like pick and choose your favorite one, you can you know choose the shy one, but you can also choose the very sensual one um, or the or the tsunde, the one the one who only like after a long time warms up to you and then has a soft soft heart on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, but they're so annoying. I can I don't like some that is. It's like, come on, guy. You I know, I know what's inside you. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that that is like I, I tend to like choose the same types over and over and over to the extent that I actually remember you at some point, uh, Susanna, that you were presenting on the on, on, on one of a mobile phone automate game a couple of years back at the triple conference. And a colleague of mine, he took a picture and he said, out of these two guys, and you had showed six or something, who's your favorite? And I was like, how do you know it was either these, <laughs> one of these two? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, this is this is like a huge topic in the fandom, right? Like, so people will talk about, oh, I always like the shy one, or I always like the, the ones with glasses. <laughs> and they go for the one with glasses in every single game and, uh, yeah. and, and things like that. But people are also, because they want to get their value for money, so they will also do the other routes, but then people have their favorite. That's true. That's true. I think uh, I think you also do like a sort of, in a way, um, psychological exploration of yourself. Like, like if you... <laughs> You let yourself go and then you choose whomever you think is more interesting. And then you realize, oh, my God, I'm always choosing the bad boy. What does it say <laughs> about me? It's ridiculous, right? Yes. So, you know, I'm a grown up and and then what, what am I doing? Um, so this uh, actually, it, it, it gives sort of stuff for thought or, or for self-reflection of 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 the players I've, I've talked to and people are usually very quite quite conscious about it surprisingly so um and like to sort of uh, joke about it and another thing i found is that very it, it, at least the players i've talked to and i and i dare say I, I dare generalize here because why not that people actually are very i mean they're very aware of this is a fantasy right yeah you know life is not like this and this is just something we're playing this is something we know it's to relax and um so very, very many times women have said things like, oh, I always choose this kind of guys, like the shy guys, even though in real life, I would be really irritated, you know, if a guy didn't sort of actually um, wasn't able to talk to me normally. <laughs> <laughs> so and you would never you would never choose this guy in real life, but you do it in the game because it's fun. So so it's not like people are going and, and sort of being trapped in some sort of pattern that they then will repeat in their own lives yeah. and, and be this is this is a game and people are very aware of that yeah yeah exactly i like i'm just thinking of my own like 
automatic game experience here. And I, 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 yeah, I have, I have still very similar experiences too, where at some point I, I was playing Hakuoki for the first time and I was like, you know what? I'm going for Harada because he seems the most stable one. <laughs> and indeed he was the most stable one. He's also the only one with a good ending. Um, spoilers, but but this is like a real life, like this is like a sensible thought. I mean, how can you think that when this is full of demons and swords <laughs> and shieldless guys and samurais and you think about the guy who is stable? Yes, but the others were so whiny. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I started that's playing Harada, and what he did was teach you the choices that I had to make. It's a, it's, it's a choice I would never make in real life, where right? he would be like, just say nothing, or to pretend I'm hurt, or to run yeah. away. Like yeah. where, when there was an option of either you fight, you scream, or you do nothing. And Harada would only like do something if you did nothing, because he wants to protect you. And I was like, okay, this is. <laughs> That's the way it would go in real life for me. <laughs> so you were in a way doing violence. You were you were role playing then because you would never do this in real life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, that's, least- but that's the way you do reverse engineering with the games, right? So you need to figure out um, as you had taken that decision, and in that particular game, you don't really know which answers are going to get you there, right? No, no. <laughs> which answers are going to give you harder? That. So you need to you need to figure it out. What is it, and then you need to do it. Um, and you might be irritated by some of the things you are you are forced to do if you want oh, to. Get yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but you still do it because you know you know what you're doing in the yeah yeah, yeah that's exactly. true. You you wrote uh, about Hakuoki, the and a very popular zombie game here in in, in um, Europe. Uh, one of a few that got a proper translation, I would say. Um, um, and you wrote uh, about it as uh, on, on its fan fiction, as transmedial and transcultural explore, uh, exploration. And you also t- talked about, uh, or you will publish a uh, essay on Toshizo Hijikata, the main character of uh, <laughs> of this Otome game. Just just uh, to make it uh, a little bit clearer for the reader. Um, right now, I'm editing together with. Uh, uh, Jim Fallon and a special edition uh, on characters in the journal Narrative. And Susanna is uh, one of the uh, authors who have con- has contributed a uh, essay on uh, on characters. And uh, in your case, it is called the essay is called The Many Faces of Toshizo Hijikata. And I was happy to find out that this is like a companion piece to another paper of yours, which is about mm. Hakuoka, Hakuoki trend. Um, fan fiction yeah i think i mean that maybe i've written so much about that game firstly because it's in english so i'm sort of more sure about what i've been reading than in the other <laughs> where i still guess my level is not up to speed that way but um but also because it's been the it's been the one that nearly every single person i've interviewed has mentioned uh, for a lot of the European players, it's been the introduction to the genre, and yeah, because probably because of the translation and, and, and the big hype it got, and also the anime. Yeah. There is also an anime series and uh, and two movies or three movies maybe. Two movies, and a musical, musical that gets like a new season every year, center of one of the characters. Um, so like, there is now four or five different musicals. Oh, that I didn't know. I, I knew that yeah. there was one where they rotate. Like the the three most favorite uh, dateable characters. Yeah, they they do they do like like roots every year, changing the route and people. So you have to go and see it again and again, right? 
Yeah. It's like the, um, it's a money make, make money machine. But um, so yeah, so I mean, this is one of the, and, and this is one of the games, or probably the one, the single automate game that is best known in the West. And as a result of that, it's also the one with the most uh, texts in fan fiction repositories. Like uh, I was looking at archive of our own, but I guess you could, you could you could find it somewhere else, like in Tumblr as well. Tumblr. <laughs> You've got a lot of fan fiction and fan art, and so it's it's like it's like the big mother ship of automa games in the West. And that way, and in that way, everybody wants to talk about it, and everybody has a, an opinion about it. So it was very good to to ask about and to and to collect uh, materials. And then the fan fiction idea um, it was because for a lot of people, a lot of people, this is like an introduction into the East or into Japanese history. Like people were reporting they'd never been introduced or they'd never been interested in Japanese history before. And this game makes them actually go and read history books, read encyclopedias, makes them travel to particular places. Like I also... Um, I remember bought, you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I bought this guide of this, like a, a travel guide you could buy in Japan taking you to the places that not just the places that appear in the game but the places that are, have a meaning in history so this is like real places um and going to these places i met people that were doing the same so this is like a pilgrimage so in this way it was it was there was just too many things about this game to let it be so that's why <laughs> that's why i picked it um yeah and these studies are centered very much about what do western players do with this right so you've got all these pieces of information things coming from the games from the history books from other places and then they go and try to recreate it and um this transmedial idea is that players or fans are trying to fill the holes that they that they cannot see in the games or the holes that they think are missing or things that would be nice to have like you know oh we don't know what this character was doing at the time of this particular battle so let's write a story about that or what would happen if the guys of the game were suddenly policemen in san francisco <laughs> in the 20th century but let's write about that so people are just going with these what ifs and filling filling the the blanks in a very interesting way so i think that's why that's why i got i i got latched to it because i could talk to a lot of people about it and and find a lot of material to analyze yeah and I have the impression that there's only like so little that you 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 uh, how you say that there's so much. And usually you can say, you can only show so little, right? In an in an essay or a paper. I'm pretty sure that if you from now on decide to only explore Hakuoki, <laughs> you'll have plenty of stuff to write. <laughs> I think it's over. I think I got pretty I got pretty tired of this after reading. <laughs> I think I read for that not for that not for the one about Hijikata that well actually yeah I did at some point I sat and read through 600 fan fictions about this game <laughs> and not and and not just skimming I mean reading and <laughs> printing and underlining and you know it was so I think I think I'm I think I'm done <laughs> 600 I don't think I've ever managed to do that usually after one fiction I think I'm done I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and you know, some of some are really good, I have to say. Um, but some are really bad. And like people try to recreate this in different ways. So so yeah, it was there was a lot of work. I think I need I need a new game now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that like that's a good that's good that's a good connection to my next question though. Like what kind of automatic games do you play? Aside from Haku. 
Yeah. Oh, well, now, as I said, I, I, I was actually playing some older ones because I'm afraid my Vita will be used for nothing. So I bought... Um, Ah, uh, yeah, this about, oh my God, what are they called? This psychedelic black butterfly, isn't it? I can, I can send you the title later. Yeah. I think it's called, but it's not psychedelica, but they call it psychedelica for some weird reason. Um, and then another one I, I played, actually just got finished last week. It's, it's an older one also called Seven Scarlet. Do you know this one? I think. You know, the thing with all these automatic games is, well, in general, I never remember titles. Yeah. <laughs> and then these automatic games have very specific titles. Yeah, the uh, titles are pretty random. But this one's, these two are actually surprisingly good. And they also get like both decent translations or, and, and top uh, voice actors. So even though I'm not so happy about the art of the, um, the last one I played, like the yeah seven scarlet seven seven scarlet and the title is really bad but but the story is really cool it, the story is about um there's this girl like this young girl and it's it's a contemporary setting and she's a university student and then her brother who is a couple of years older disappears in some village while going hiking and then she the game started a, a bit weird like he's been disappeared for one year and she hasn't done anything about it but then suddenly she decides to go there with um with uh, another student and they they have to sort of investigate it and they get to this uh, mountain resort far away from everything in a hotel and then they start sort of exploring this village and seeing what happened and the thing the good thing about this one is like you need to you need to romance all five guys to actually get to the bottom of the story so with each one you get a little piece oh yeah this happened but then you don't get the whole story but even though um, each of them gives you a piece of the story they are all uh, complete complete stories in themselves and this is really well done and it's not always the case like sometimes the stories are are just you know just to, to fill some space you feel you know with some of the characters I like but in this one it's really well done I really recommend it and it's oh, I think it's on, nice. on offer it's it's quite cheap now at the moment on on the steam I bought a physical copy weird enough but uh, what <laughs> mm, impossible yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like it also makes me uh, think of um, visual novels in general. So not necessarily alternate games, but the the visual novels that I played, for example, um, nine nine nine. This game reminds me of of that uh, of that nine 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 game where you have to take these different routes if you want to get to the bottom of your complete story, uh, and only then you can actually continue. Even yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's the other selling point, right? So. Automates are called dating simulations sometimes, but I think that's just one part of it. So yeah, you are simulating romance. You are simulating this kind of going from I don't know you to I love you forever and, and whatever steps you, you have along the way. But you are also you are also having this, like the, the basic structure of a visual novel where you basically a choose your own adventure story and each of the routes are, is needed to complete a part of the plot, right? And so it is not so much about... It's not so much about taking the right choice, like there only being one way, but about backtracking and seeing things in a new light and being able to take a new path and sort of contrasting the paths. And I think this sort of um, multiple, in a way, multiple um, storytelling structure that is based upon very complicated trees. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very unique thing to the genre, and and this is um, I think it's very compelling as a 
as a form of storytelling and much more so than, yeah, than the choose your own adventure books where it felt random to, you know, when it says, oh, do you go to the left or to the right? And then you chose the right and then got killed by the orc and had to start all over again. I mean, it didn't really, but this is not so much about, yeah, choosing, but more about accumulation and um, and putting things in contrast to each other. I think that's a really good, yeah, that's a really good trick. At some point I was following this one tag. I can't remember now because I'm in so many fan groups that I don't even know. <laughs> I can't I think it was I think it was in Instagram or was it in Twitter? I think it was in Instagram. There was this tag called something like show me your Ottoman shrine or show me your Ottoman bedroom or something like that. And people were posting pictures of their bedrooms and their collections. So they would like stack all their games and put all their figurines and 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 they, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing, like how much people have collected. Is is again? You see again, like the material. Like it was, there was a lot of materiality, a lot of things. It's not just about about the immaterial games. Yeah, there's a, there's some sort of yeah, as you said, there's some sort of materiality, and it's something haptic. No, that's maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also you can go to these cafes and uh, get the drink. You can actually, I didn't drink that, but you would probably that, like that. There is this cocktail, this Aharada cocktail. What? In the Shinsengumi <laughs> Cafe in Kyoto. Oh, I didn't go. I, I, I went to a butler cafe once, but, but not, not this one. No, I, I don't dare to go alone. <laughs> it wasn't very good, I have to say. I can't, I can't remember. I, I drank two things just to try different ones, and it, they were not very good. Yeah. But, um, but you know, just for the fun of it. <laughs> to, um, I'm going to the, to the next question here, and that is, um, and this is also something that I wonder myself. Um, can Ottoman games only be understood in uh, the Japanese context where they originally came from? Or can they um, also exist in Northwestern countries? And I, I mean more the, what I mean more is that can we sp- speak of Western Ottoman games or North American European Ottoman games? Mm, I guess, well, it depends if you're asking about reception or, or about making, producing games. Here in the West, because you can you can actually go and um, you can actually buy and even there's a lot of free games made like in the states. Um, I can't remember. There is this series that's really popular, isn't it called something like Date Me Now or something like that? I can't remember. Where the where the illustrations are in another in another drawing style. It's not like a sort of manga aesthetic. It's not shoujo aesthetic. It's like more Western comic aesthetics, and then you get like the dialogues are more, yeah, it's it's like very context, it's the, in the very context of more American culture, right? Yeah. And uh, so you get you get things made here and then you get all the fan-made um, automates. For example, if you go like to the Lemasoft forums, you can download all sorts of free stuff and, and, and games made here. But most of them, I think, are imitating the, the sort of Japanese, both the aesthetics and the themes. It's more, there seems to be this American... Um, culture about it that I am. I don't really like this game, so I can't say a lot about them. Um, but as to reception, I, I guess what I've seen by interviewing players in different countries is that people seem to be getting different things out of it. Okay. Um, I mean, that's just like a very modest <laughs> point. It's not a lot, but obviously, right? So, so for example, 
like uh, a lot of the Western players I talk to are people who who are who were anyway before this before getting into this were into Japanese culture, right? Yeah. So it's usually people who watch anime, who maybe cosplay or do things like that, and this is just like a part of the fandom. Um, so they have like a lot of um, they they have a lot of a big encyclopedia to interpret the context of the games, and they and they for them it's like a niche pastime, but they but it's something they. But that that means something for their identity, right? Whereas if um, whereas if you in Japan it's more like regular people will do it, like like you know office ladies will do it on the train um, on the yeah. way to the office or students any anybody will do it. So it's it's like a different kind of public. And then if you talk to people, I remember like I was a bit surprised trying to ask the Japanese women to reflect, trying to make them reflect like on I don't know on dating customs. Like I was going, but isn't it a bit weird that no women take the initiative in Otome you know, games. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> well, if you ask the same question to the European players, they were going like, yeah, but you know, it's fine. It's fun to pretend that you are like that. So for them, it was very much into this cosplay. Um, I remember, I think I, I wrote it in the book. I can't remember if I did, but one, um, a few tennis players have said things like, you know, it's, it's a bit exhausting to always have to be this strong woman in real life like like the one you know what is expected from you as a as a young woman nowadays so it's fun to pretend that you are one of these very passive um other kinds of women or you know more old-fashioned and, and they were going yeah. like and, and then you never and, and you never have to quote my name anywhere because this is like this is like very taboo to say something like that yeah so where i guess like the japanese women would be more embarrassed about other things like they would be embarrassed about the the raciness of the game or about being tillulated or something like that while the Europeans. Yeah. So I guess it was, it was fun to see that, that the culture classes were at different places. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I mean, I haven't, but I, what I found interesting here is also where you said like uh, here in Europe, at least it tends to be more of an identity that you carry. Whereas in, in Japan, it's not like that, at least not out there like that. Uh, you care less if you're a regular yeah. player, right? It's something, it's yeah. just there. It's something you, you consume, but it's not something you are. Yeah. Probably also because Otome culture there is like, like now I'm saying culture because it's, it's, it's bigger, right? It's just not only games, but connected. Like, like you just said, like to everything, there's a lot of things. There's a, usually a manga and anime. And, and so there are many ways that you can start consuming this because it's, it's part of a bigger consumer culture there the media mix um whereas here that is definitely not really the case no and it's very deliberate consumption yeah. and you have to go a bit out of the way to both buy the stuff and maybe you're the only one who does it among your friends so it's it's more you have to find other people on the internet to talk about it so yeah it's a different context yeah seems like there's also a lot of a lot of effort you need to put in just like making sure that you can consume that. But that likely leads me to, to my final question. Um, and uh, I, uh, of course, have opinions about this, but I'm pretty sure you do too. So why are um, Otome games important for the field of game studies or just to study in general? Right. Um, well, I think it, it goes back a little bit to what I said at the beginning. So, so on the one hand, um, or there hasn't been a lot of focus on, on more sort of female-oriented games or, you know, since the days of Henry Jenkins, the book about 
what is the Barbie and Mortal Kombat and all this, like where where there were studies about why g girls prefer to play with um, clothing simulators or why girls prefer to play with The Sims and things like that. So I guess this is another genre that is that is very much female, and then and then it's um, and for that reason it's it's a good idea to sort of look at okay what kinds of pleasures are there, what kinds of things are are going on. Mm, and also because also I guess the narrative games and you compare them before to visual novels and I think they could be said to be in the same genre you know a little bit visual novel a little bit um, simulation depending on like the mix would be in different balances depending on the actual title um, so narrative games are also a little bit uh, looked down on, on on game studies like you know real yeah. games are like action games or indie games with really bad graphics and uh, deep topics yeah. and things like that. Open um, world games, that's also a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're being really nasty now, but while it's multiplayer battle <laughs> action <laughs> mega thing. So so this is like another kind of, of games and narrative has such a bad reputation. Like yeah. A lot of, I guess a lot of researchers will also say like they're not games at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess to me, those are enough reasons or maybe just provocative to say, oh, let's bring it in. Let's see what is this? What? Why is it good or why is it bad or what is it doing? Um, because it's just another kind. And, and also, I don't think it's going to stay with games. Like, you know, not so long ago, we've had Netflix do experiments with these kinds of narratives, like with films. They had this Bandersnatch yeah. where you also had like a sort of choose your own path structure yes and they were doing that with some some children's series as well there was on this this series of minecraft they had i can't remember uh, i the remember puss in boots yeah yeah exactly that's another one so 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 those i mean and that's that's film and that's other formats are experimenting with these kinds of storytelling where where viewers get to do some choice so i think for that reason as well it's an interesting success right because uh, if you look in the past to what other genres have tried to do this, I started my academic career with a thesis about hypertext in the nineties, <laughs> and that, and that was also about choosing paths, and it never really got to be mainstream because most of the experiments were were sort of high literature in a way, sort of mm. a bit modernistic literature, but there wasn't not a lot was going on. It never really took off. Um, well, this is a successful genre that has a lot of readers, players, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I think for that reason, it's it's interesting to sort of learn, okay, what works in this genre and how could it work across media? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I will, yeah, and like now that I'm thinking of you doing like work on hypertext, like in a way that is what Atomic Games are also are. Yeah. Uh, although I wouldn't necessarily want to limit it to do to to only hypertext because I don't think that that uh, that it's really what the genre does deserve since it does have such a big history back to uh, the early nineties mm. uh, and consists of so much more than just these these games. Yeah, yeah, and and also all these things we were saying at the beginning about the like the visuals and the voice acting. I mean, it's like a, yeah. a whole different. It's another medium. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that anything you would like to add? <laughs> Go out and play. <laughs> Go out and date cute boys in games. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs>
But yeah. thank you so much, uh, Susanna, for oh, uh, thank you. today. And uh, thank you all for listening. And hopefully until next time.